Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to season nine of Reiki Radio. I am so excited to be back here with you all after a pretty long hiatus. Um, as most of you know, I had a lot of traveling going on, but another thing that was taking a lot of my time is that I was completing the Energetic Alchemist Oracle deck, which will be available very soon. In fact, by the time that these this podcast airs, uh, the link to purchase the deck should be up and available on my website. So if you are interested, I would say as soon as the show is over or right now, go to my website and order the deck pre-order because there are a limited limited number of decks available. It is a limited edition. So would love, love, love for you to have this project um, that I put a lot of time and love into for all of you beautiful energetic alchemists. But aside from that, again, I'm so happy just to be here with you on Reiki Radio. I missed sharing with you all. Another thing that was taking my time in this hiatus is I was invited to be a host for this year's Reiki Rays uh, Healing Summit. So if you also go to my website, you will see on the homepage, there is a place for you to click and sign up to gain access to four interviews right away. So you can access four interviews for free from the Reiki Healing Summit. There were some amazing conversations. I was a co-host along with Andrea Kennedy and we interviewed over 30 people. So it's quite a big event. And you will be able to access the other interviews once the summit is officially launched. And I will keep you posted about that. So I was doing interviews for that summit. And again, with doing all of those interviews, there's just no way I had the energy to come and do interviews for Reiki Radio. But now... I am back, and I want to welcome everyone who is new to the podcast, new to the community. If you're just now finding Reiki Radio, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have been listening for some time now, thank you for staying with me. Thank you for coming back, because there is so much that I want to share with you this year or this season of the podcast. Of course, there are some amazing guests lined up, some other healers, teachers, authors that are going to come and share with you in support of your path. But there will also be some episodes with just me sharing with you about Reiki and the practice because in a lot of ways, Reiki Radio has been a teaching podcast for a lot of people. So I want to make sure I continue to support you in your practice while also sharing with you the gifts and lessons and teachings of other Um, healers, authors, and practitioners. Okay, so all of that aside, today's interview is with a Reiki uh, practitioner teacher named Natalie Jasper. Natalie is the host of a podcast called Dive Into Reiki, and she and I met a few years ago. Um, She was a guest on Reiki Radio a few seasons ago, Um, I've also been a guest on her podcast, but we also share a teacher in um, Franz. Franz Stina is uh, both of our teachers. So she and I have had an opportunity to get to know each other in the background. And while we usually 
have discussions about Reiki from a traditional lens. There was a lot that I learned about Natalie and her practice. It still relates to Reiki, but some other aspects of her practice that I don't ever really hear her speaking about publicly, or I've at least not had an opportunity to ask her about. So that's exactly what we dive into in this conversation. You will learn how Natalie has gone into other aspects of training and even her travels to Japan and what these experiences have poured into her understanding of Reiki. And hopefully what she shares will inspire you. Um, I found it all very fascinating, which is why I asked her to come and have this conversation. So you can learn more about Natalie and her work through her website, DiveIntoReiki.com. Again, you can check out her podcast and um, all the links, of course, to connect with her are down in the show description. So when you're done listening to the show, you can just go down into the show description, click away and connect with Natalie. And don't forget to go to my website to sign up for the 2022 Reiki Healing Summit, as well as get your Energetic Alchemist Oracle deck because there are just a limited number of copies. And I cannot wait to share more of that with you. So for now, enjoy the conversation with Natalie and I will see you on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. Today, we are here with my friend, the lovely Natalie Jasper. Thank you for coming to talk to me today, my love. Thank you, Yolanda. I always get very excited like to talk to you, and I'm still wishing one day we'll do it in person. Yeah. Oh, we're absolutely going to do it in person, like without a doubt. But I realized recently there are some things I know about you and your practice that we've never really discussed. And so I wanted to have this conversation today because I think it would be very inspiring for a lot of people um, that do listen and people who are studying Reiki. So one of the first things I want to ask you about is how you were introduced to Reiki for people who don't know your story. Absolutely. So it was a little bit of Google magic so I was very restless in my 30s and I Googled Reiki. No, actually, I Googled healing. That was the same. Like I was into healing and Reiki came up and I was like, what is this? And I'm talking like early 2000 when Google didn't have that many millions. Haiti was still like starting as a search engine. And I started reading about it. And honestly, I have to say that what really attracted to me, it sounded like you place your hands on things and they get fixed. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be Supergirl. Like, it, I just love this idea that I could touch things or myself or whoever, and then pain problems will disappear. So, and again, we get to the place we need to get by weird ways. So that's, and then I, I did that search. I got to a teacher and I've said this probably many times, people who know me, like my teacher was really lacking into knowledge and insight. So then I actually didn't practice very much for two, three years but I don't know why Ricky kept calling me. Like it kept, like I had this thing, like there is more to this, there is more to this. And for people who don't know me first, I Google everything and I'm super curious. Like I never stop. Like once I get an itch, I need to, until I get to the end. So I took another class 
And the training in hindsight still probably is not my style of Reiki, but that was a very powerful experience. Mm-hmm. So that was probably late, the late 2000s. And from then on, I basically practice. It's been a constant practice for me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because my story is very similar to yours, very similar. And that's the same reason I've had so many teachers as well, because initially, you know, I, re- I really didn't know what Reiki was. I was just curious uh, what was recommended to me. And then after my first class, I felt, you know, very curious. And I felt like, well, is there more about this? I need to understand. And that's how I ended up studying with several different teachers until I got to the place of, oh, okay, you know, um, and we share a teacher, Franz, and um, very thankful that I came across his work and teachings as well. So you were curious, you're doing this deep dive. And I want to ask you about, too, the differences that you're seeing in the community as a whole, because back when I believe both of us started into this, there wasn't as much information and conversation as there is now. But now, especially because of social media, it's everywhere. So what changes have you seen just in your time of practice? Good changes and not so good changes. So I think one good thing that happened is people started traveling to Japan Mm -hmm. and bring in more of the original teachings. And I would say that also bring in some of the original understanding, right? Because when I started, when you started, they would teach you do this. Why? Because you're supposed to do this. So it was very much about the ritual without understanding the the roots of the practice, right? Right. So then when you would change it, like you would be scared or if you felt in my case, uh, the external like interpretation of the symbols always felt strange, right? I never felt comfortable like drawing the symbols in public or anything, it felt more internal. So I think the good thing is bringing, again, all that knowledge from Japan, the understanding that was behind the practice, also with an open mind, because obviously we're not Japanese living under the Meiji emperor, right? right? Or whoever was afterwards in the 20s. So we have a different thing, but there is this rescue of many, many beautiful tools and understanding that allows to really go deeper into the practice. So I think Reiki was very much about the way I saw it, right? We touch and heal and there is trusted, but there was not a deep understanding. And so it was really hard to go deeper unless you were really committed to your practice. Some people who practice for 30 years and they had that discipline at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm a New Yorker. We have the attention span of a mosquito, right? Like, look, and there's this and tango. And so it was hard for me. But once I got that very simple understanding, like, and I see it around me when people, sometimes they come to me struggling with their practice and you give them the, the, background of what the practice was about is very human it's very simple then people can deepen their practice right what has happened though is and I understand like life is hard we're trying to make a business of Reiki which I really respect and I think it should be but then we're mixing stuff like life coaching and formulas like making a living nowadays with inflation or cities unless you're a tiny city it takes an amount of money so I think sometimes we're tweaking a little bit what Reiki is again because that that background hasn't reached everybody else because it also implies more practice, more training, more discipline, things that usually we don't tie to spiritual practices or healing, right? Because especially with what Reiki was known as, like I give you an attunement initiation and then you can heal the world, right? right? There was no work involved. That was the attractive part of Reiki. Right. So I think part of like that lack of knowledge that people still attach to it because it's a lot nicer to know the technology idea of upgrades and downloads that you don't need to do anything, but just 
perhaps go to a teacher, get an upgrade, and then you, and I say power into quote marks because the idea of power into Reiki really feels very actually opposite of what Reiki practice originally was. Yes. And then this idea of mixing Reiki almost like with life coaching and other technology and charging a lot of money, which is great, but Reiki wasn't about, I love life coaching, it's in, but Reiki is a non-invasive practice. We hold the space, right? So I think sometimes I see some Reiki things that are becoming very, uh, I don't know, guided or we're manipulating energy. And that is a little bit not so true to what the Reiki essence was. And also, again, a lot of people replicating through social media things that may not have uh, the right foundation into what the practice is. And this is not to say those things are right or wrong, but they are not, they should probably be called. And that's why I like, like sometimes, again, when I saw like Reiki, then yes, call it like dolphin Reiki, but call it different. <laughs> but Usui Reiki is really about holding the space. It has a number of techniques that you repeat and repeat, and then you go deeper into them. And then whatever else, it's an added, and you can mix it, but be clear about what practice is. And I think we're, we're losing that clarity of what Reiki is and what the fusions are. And that, that sometimes, and also again, lack of knowledge, right? We're like spreading yeah. so fast. And sorry, I went rambling on. I hope I no, 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 it did make sense. And it's interesting to me because I remember at, um, you know, when I was in that space of a deep curiosity and, just having this knowing inside, like there has to be something else to this. It, it can't just be me laying my hands on someone or just laying my hands on myself, you know, and then even with personal practice, I started noticing shifts within myself, which also propelled that curiosity. But what I will say is I do think even with now there's kind of like a, a there's just there's just so many different pathways, I guess you would call it within the community, right? So you do have people who are practicing under, um, you know, certain points of view or certain teachings, then you do have people who are on this track of wanting to understand more of the original foundations and what the practice was originally pointing to and what it was about. And at first, I thought like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I was kind of sad, honestly, for, for people who like may not have been exposed to some of what the original teachings were. But then I realized even in the beginning when I didn't know, if you are diligent in your practice, regardless, I think it starts to reveal to you what it is anyway. So it's like, I think you kind of, depending on what you do with it, what you make of it, you'll come into some sort of understanding of what Reiki is really about anyway. But it's really amazing now that like you said, so many people have gone to Japan, there are many people that are, you know, researching the history, doing a lot of work to bring more understanding to us about what it was originally about what it entailed the the original elements of the system, all of these things, which is always exciting to me and what I love to share, you know, on the podcast so that we all get to educate ourselves along the way. But that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So you became curious, you're researching, Google doesn't have that much yet. But then you get to a point where you decide to go to Japan yourself. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Like what inspired you 
to want to go to Japan? And what did you actually study or, um, you know, what were you looking for? So, no, that's curious. And it's funny what I just want to say also like discipline, right? At yeah. the end, what comes from Japan is discipline. So for me, it's the same. It's like discipline, no matter what part you take, just practice. You know, yeah. I think the worries me. So what happened when I went to Japan? So I had started doing martial arts. That was the first thing. So, and obviously I studied with Franz and Stine. And when I read his book, The, the Art of Reiki, the Japanese Art of Reiki, finally Reiki made sense to me. Something clicked in my head. And I felt, oh, this is the style I was looking for, right? Because we're all very different. But for me, I really identify with that style. So I started doing martial arts, um, again, luck. I was walking my dog and I saw these people dressed in Japanese uniform. And it ended up being a sword dojos, like going with katanas, which is not probably what I would have done. I was looking for more like something a little more peaceful. It's actually very peaceful. So I I did that because Reiki at that time felt very static uh, to me. And that moment in my practice, it felt like when I was into my Reiki space in my hands and I was still, I was very happy, but I couldn't bring it into my life when I was in movement, right? But I just want to ask you really quick for people who may not know, what what about the practice of Reiki made you curious about, uh, or even your understanding of Reiki, what made you curious about doing martial arts and what type were you interested in? Well, I was interested about, can I have the stillness of Reiki? Mm-hmm. For example, when I'm meditating with the second, uh, the first symbol, right? I'm meditating and I'm strong into my hara and I'm feeling so good and peaceful, right? And, and things are clear in my head. But when I went to work or that wasn't, when there was cows around me, I couldn't maintain that beautiful stillness. Or when I place in my hands, right? My, my hands on my heart and my hara, whatever, Things felt good, but then I would be in a meeting or talking to my families and I couldn't connect to that piece. And probably if I had kept on my Reiki practice, I would have gotten to that place. But at that moment also, there was not a lot of talk about integrating Reiki as part of your life. Uh, One thing, and we'll get to that in Japan, the perception of energy and key is a completely different perception, right? So I was like, oh, I'm going to do Tai Chi or Qigong because it's very peaceful, but you move a little bit and it's like a movement of energy. And I had done a Qigong, but I was broke. I was doing freelancing at the moment. I was, or I was in a sabbatical. I'm like, okay, I don't have a lot of money. New York is expensive. So I was looking for places and then I'm like, I'm not going to take the subway. So I'm thinking, and again, life has a way of bringing you. I see these people four blocks. I never walked my dog on that street that day I did check in. And it's a very traditional Japanese, and I tend to be attracted, I think, by tradition a little bit, a very traditional dojo. And they're all with their swords, so they allow me to watch a class. And I now appreciate that there was a female sensei, and it was a special day. They had another female sensei from upstate that was at, and they were older because at the time I was already 44, and I'm not physically fit and not talented for any kind of sports or like those things. I'm a reader and a writer and a, a draw. So when I saw these women there, because I'm like, I also had this understanding Japanese things are very male-oriented, right? That's the other element. But I see a bunch of, a bunch of poor women with the swords there among the 18 men. I'm like, and I fell in love with it. It was so peaceful, right? They were using their swords. It was like a ballet, right? Mm-hmm. So then I start, I'm like, okay, it's $50 a month because everybody works their pro bono because it's also a spiritual practice, right? I'm like four blocks away from my house, $50 a month. What is there to lose? So I started doing that and 
basically for me, it's called Iaido, it's the art of drawing the katana and you do movement by yourself, is Reiki movement, wow. right? And my sensei wrote something beautiful, like there is stillness in movement, movement in stillness. So for me, Reiki and AI are not that separate. And what started to happen if I have deep insights in both of them, but what gave me martial arts was an insight into the way Japanese may have approached Reiki practice that was opposite of mine. Because I tried to go with that sword and do the katas in two times. And not only don't I have talent, but like no one gets a kata perfect in once. You need to practice for 30, 40 years to get a kata to a level where they give you like the A degree, right? You're going to practice the same kata. And I started doing that and realizing there were deeper layers. So what I realized is like discipline is a big ingredient, right? And I wasn't disciplined. I know some people like you were very disciplined at the beginning. Uh, a lot of people like I, we know in the community already got that depth, as you said, not by going to Japan, but by discipline, right? Mm-hmm. But that approach of repeating the same practice over and over was a gift from martial arts to my Reiki practice that then I started realizing, oh, look what there is to discover. I don't need to do crazy things. I don't need to add. And sometimes I add because I think it adds a boost. I go, like I take classes of everything. I may not incorporate it, but I think it gives you insight and sometimes it pushes the energy in a way that you need. So yeah. I'm not that so much a purist, but I do practice purely, but, but it gives me discipline and a way of observing that things may have like unlimited amount of layers. Mm-hmm. So placing my hands will feel different even if I do it every day for the rest of my life. So that mm-hmm. was a gift of martial art. And obviously the principles are the same, firm and flexible. I'm supposed to have a very firm hara, very grounded hara. So the top, like the arms and the sword can really, you know, move softly, which is really first and second symbol, the same relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And then your mind and heart, the kokoro, open up and you have the energy to push people away. Yeah. So that, that was the saying that started like, there is something to Japanese culture that I, I need to get, right? And I was reading all these books by Francine and, and I, I adore France to the death. But there is a moment like I was seeing myself as a teacher, am I gonna always say France when France went to Japan? Like, I'm, I was also, I've been a, a journalist for many years. I'm like used to go to the source and always have two sources, right? Yeah. I'm like, if I, I'm not going to quote this person, even though I respect them and I'm so grateful for them the rest of my life. So then with the experience of martial arts and everything, when I was in a North sabbatical, I just booked a trip to Japan and packed a suitcase, a tiny carry-on for six weeks and left. Okay. Okay. Wait. So I have to back up <laughs> just for a second before we get into Japan, because listening to you talk about, um, you know, having this curiosity of martial arts and then, you know, happen, you happen to see these women and they practice, you said katanas, and it's like the sword work with the martial arts and having to have this sturdiness, the firmness, but then the flexibility. And as you say it, Natalie, I'm just trying to envision in my mind, you'll have to show me one day, you doing this beautiful sword work and it being very much the way you um, describe it, I imagine it's kind of like, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. There's another type of capoeira. That's what comes to mind. Like that, that martial arts, that's almost like a beautiful kind of dance and um, has just such a beautiful flow. Like you describe it as a ballet. But the thing that really came to mind when you were explaining what this highlighted for you is that element of patience 
which I think for a lot of us in this community has been lost um, because here, to your point, like when we both started in this, like Reiki classes in of themselves, it was just like a quick, a quick thing, like maybe over the weekend, whatever. And then you go home and you practice and then I don't know, but everything is very quick moving. Like we want everything immediately, you know, like, oh, can I do this in one day? Can I learn this whole system in a day? And so there's this impatience that a lot of us have. And I think it's even part of partially due to not just culturally how everything is quick for us, but the excitement of it all. We just want it really quick and fast. And I think once you come into the practice, there is something about it that does kind of slow you down and helps you to recognize you're only going to understand through the layers of that diligence and taking your time and showing up again and again and again and again. Um, You also remind me of, there's this quote from Bruce Lee, and I'll, I'll mess it up but essentially he said something like he wasn't concerned with someone who learned 10,000 kicks he was more concerned about the opponent that practiced the same kick 10,000 times right so there's something so beautiful about you explaining this like not being athletic not knowing anything about wielding a sword but yet something about just showing up and trying you know it taught you a lot about the the grace and the patience and the diligence that also correlated with Reiki. That's really, really beautiful. Okay. Okay. So you're doing all of this. And how many years now have you been studying martial arts? Almost six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you're much better with the sword now. Yes, I'm much better with the sword. I what I am much better and my senses say that people who are talented, regular people, people who struggle and me. So I think what I'm much better is at knowing my body. So now I'm controlling my emotions, right? Like controlling my emotions, like, as you say, be patient, you're a little slow. Uh, What I discover is the slower I go, the richer my practices. So seeing my actually lack of aptitude as a gift for self-exploration, but mostly it's very delightful. The other day I learned how to, I started feeling my fingers, right? So at the beginning, you grab that sword for dear life. And I love it because with Reiki, the story represents wisdom, right? So with Reiki, we grab to a practice with your life. We don't let go, yeah. right? And then I was losing my fingers too much, which we also do with Reiki. Then we go crazy and we like explore things that insane. And the idea is to really have this grip that is solid, but it's not firm or flexible. And then you can... So the other day I was finally using these two fingers and I felt them, right? I'm like, how can it be that just feeling that the fingers are in the right position can be so delightful? So I am better at exploring and I'm improving. Like I did pass my second degree black belt. I felt for the first time with the third degree. So I, you can see that patience and discipline will get you there. Yes. Even without talent. But what I feel I've got is a richness that that I never expect and like and the more I practice the more richness I find is there is more so yeah I'm better if you see me you're not gonna know I suck only like a sensei will like laugh like yeah like her angle is not perfect because also I've never been a person very oriented to detail in Japanese tradition is like the angle of the sword is like two degrees not correct right I I will never be like that so I'm I'm fine with not being the best practitioner but yeah I can move and again my Reiki practice is learning a lot from this and then 
I think what I wanted was to be able to be poised and centered in life. And that yeah. happens most of the time. Okay. So I, I have to bring this up because now what you're saying, like even that last sentence of being more poised and centered in life, right? It makes me think about the Gokai. Yeah. And so it's interesting because now these layers that are coming in for you and you want to um, study uh, martial arts and it's reflecting to you various elements of your Reiki practice. I think you bring up such an important point for everyone listening, Natalie, and that the practice of Reiki is so much deeper than just hands on hands off. It really does bring us into this awareness of not just our body and our being, but our state of mind. And I'm, I'm like, almost I'm trying to not be overly excited right now, because it's it's those those subtle elements of the practice that I think are not discussed enough. And a lot of people don't even realize that that's part of what Reiki is pointing to and the grace that it gives and the awareness that it brings and just all of these deeper layers beyond, you know, what's often focused on and talked about. So I have to ask you about that. This correlation between this practice and martial arts how how has it supported you in what Reiki itself reveals to you about state of mind and state of being? Just as just as being Natalie. That that is a great question. It's there it's funny because I love that you say grace, like that word being graceful in life. Like it we don't use that word often, but it's so beautiful, right? I think. I, I started understanding the precepts. There was more to the precepts before I started martial arts. And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, part of me starting to realize there is more to just reciting the precepts than, than they told me. I think yeah. probably that's why I wanted to start integrating Reiki into my daily life, right? Because I started discovering, hey, if I'm really freaking out and I see we do not worry and I sit with that worry, uh, I actually get, and I get the same energy shift if I have my hands on, right? Like mm-hmm. I can when I feel in my body, sometimes I don't do self-treatment. I sit and I feel the precepts in my body, right? And mm-hmm. again, first of all, it brought me into my body, which I never was, you know, but I say there is something more. So the precepts for me were probably the first key that there is like more doors to this Reiki practice than hands-on healing, right? right? And it happened because I basically was having a panic attack. And I'm like, okay, what tools do you have? And then I have to say, like, sometimes I do get again, the connection to Reiki practice, right? It like precepts, like, like almost like I get, okay, this is what you have to do, sit. And I think you had a similar experience when you told me about your own breakdown. So those moments where I'm breaking down, Reiki practice is always there. For me, it's like, okay, sit and meditate with the precepts like your teacher has told you and you're never done. Oh crap, there is more to it. So as, when I went to martial arts, I, I, I'm actually so, okay, I'm not everyday grateful. I'm not talented to it. Sometimes I'm very frustrated. But because I had no talent for it, I either used the precepts or I had to give up, right? Because when you're not a talented one, you get angry, you get worried. But when you have a sword in your hands, you cannot really act out on it, right? And especially when you have one that doesn't cut everybody else has like a sword. And we're all moving together. So you cannot freak out, get angry, move because someone can get hurt because you're 20, 25 people before pandemic. Now we're like 15 moving together. And some of those sorts actually from the sense is caught. So there is, there is almost like a, a limitation, like you really need to learn how to deal with your anger and your worry, because if not, you're going to get physically hurt mm-hmm. and everybody's very safe, but you're not, you still have to put, you're part of a community moving together. Right. So it's yes. not just about you at that moment. 
because they will probably react in time because they're more aware. But when you're starting, like you realize like shit, after a few times that you like, sorry about the bad word, but yeah, but no. that's what comes to mind. So then you really start like, okay, how do I handle the anger? And then my sensei is wonderful. And when I hear her, she actually studied philosophy. She was a coder, one of the first female coders in, in like in the States. And she's a woman like, so you're, you're, you're scared, you're fear. I'm like, yes. It's like, so what? It's energy, use it. So there wasn't that labeling, positive or negative or worry or energy. She's like, everybody gets angry. Everybody gets scared. Use it. And that you don't hear in the Reiki community, right? We are like really scared. Like, then it's shadow work, right? We label it as shadow work. It's like, don't get angry. And here's like, yeah, of course you're going to get angry. So you use it, right? Because obviously it's like samurai training, right? Like you use everything that you have. But it's actually, it was such an eye-opener for me. So I'm like, oh my God, Reiki precepts. Anger, use it. And they actually have something called the shikai, which is the hindrance of the samurai or the performer of martial arts. And when I read the shikai and I read the principles, I'm like, they're almost the same, right? (laughs) They're human beings. But I think it was really that fact of like, hey, you really need to practice in movement the precepts, Mm -hmm. not just in your body like you've been doing. You need to be able to move with a sword among a bunch of people and practice the precepts in movement. You know, it is so... This is why I love when we get together and talk. So one of the things that's coming up around this, what you're sharing is just that element of responsibility that's in, you know, woven throughout, um, I think the system of Reiki, but clearly also in the martial arts. And it's this responsibility to ourselves, but also to everyone else. Like, you know, just the example you're giving of like, if you have a sword and you're angry, but everyone else in the room has a sword yet. You still have to be mindful about your use of the sword, right? <laughs> and your your mindfulness of not just the impact to you, but the impact to everyone in the room, right? So it brings me into the thought of, again, the Gokai, the impact of our energy, our mind, our way of being, our action, everything that we do. While our choice and um, the work that we're doing on ourselves personally it really is impactful to everyone and everything. And it brings to mind even like the third symbol. And so, and the, yeah, anyway, yeah, gosh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you have this beautiful mirroring of how um, the practice of martial arts is really taking you deeper into understanding deeper levels of the system of Reiki and how it is, um, Uh, changing you and really again like your direction of mind your relationship to self and your relationship to others right and highlighting these beautiful elements of discipline and patience and not judging yourself and understanding how to direct your energy and mind okay so then you mentioned um a little bit ago about you being more having more of a journalist background makes you very curious about the source. So instead of just, you know, echoing what your teacher said again and again, you are so inspired to like, okay, let me go to the source of understanding more about Reiki, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now here comes the inspiration. You decide, I'm going to Japan. I'm going to the source. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know when this came to mind, was it just to understand 
the system of Reiki, like, were you looking for that? Or were you going for like the cultural reference? I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that deep of a planner. I'm more of a prancer <laughs> to life. So it's, it's, so I, I think what happened is, you know, I, I work in advertising. So every so often I take a break mm-hmm. uh, because even though I have my precepts, advertising can burn you out also because sometimes you work 60 hours a week, right? So I had worked full time, wonderful place that then got a little crazy for three years. And I decided to take, uh, to go freelance. And I said, and also take a break. So I had this fantasy. I miss Venezuela. I grew up in the Korea. I was going to Vietnam and I wanted to go place and meditate. I wanted to go somewhere to be with myself because in New York City is really hard. And then I'm like, well, if I don't go somewhere, I may as well go somewhere that is more related to Reiki, maybe meditate and build my practice, right? Because it's going to be a little bit. And then I'm like, yeah, I cannot repeat France. So I actually reached out to France. I'm like, what do you think if I go to Japan, right? Because it was more an honor to his knowledge than a doubt in him. And I really want to say like, like, hey, this guy got to this place. Like, hello, I have six weeks I can go. Like, let's go there, right? But I also didn't have a big budget. So he told me a few places in the South. And the difference with France and I, France really likes more the esoteric park. I really like very simple things. So I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to go and do all of that. And again, as a female, it's not that easy, right? You're not as accepted. And I don't have also the curriculum in France had. Like right. they will like laugh at me and with reason. I'm not saying like, because I didn't have the training. So my Google friend came to the rescue. <laughs> and I started Googling. Uh, I wanted to study Zen meditation. I had gone to the a couple of temples in New York, but they were far and they felt too ritualistic and a lot of things and do this. And the services were three hours and my weekends, I'm like, I cannot go there for three hours, right? So I started Googling and most of the places I found who will accept women and they were, they were very touristy, right? Because Japanese are really respectful. Like you cannot just go and sit with the monks. Like they... They're really serious about their practice. So I found a few places that like, will give you breakfast. You may take with us with an hour. I'm like, yeah, that's not what I want. So I found by, I don't know how, a monastery that was for foreigners and Japanese who were le- like not wanting to be monk, but wanted to deepen or learn Zen practice. And it was a tiny monastery that was in a mountain by itself, a national park in a tiny town in somewhere called Akita, which I had never heard before. And the town is called Yashimamachi. And it was so far that when I got my train ticket at the Tokyo station, they had to get an old book because it was in the computer system. So that's wow. how far. But the guy had put like a, a, like a weird website, right? And he took like months to, to answer me. And he said, you can come in May because before then, at the end of April, before then we closed because there is no heater. There's nothing, right? So I'm like, sure. And it was like $30 a night, like with food included. And it was serious training, not for tourists. Like it welcomed everyone and welcomed female and males because they were following the teaching from a guy called Dogen who really like, were like rekindled Zen. In, and I don't know very much of the history, don't take me that, but he was very open to bringing females into Zen practice. Mm-hmm. So this guy was trying to do that as well, right? And we do have to understand like Japanese society in some places, they're still a little bit more traditional into, into what is gender roles, right? At least right. what you can see. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to Akita for three weeks. You know, and then I started like to take a map of Japan and put some places. So when I go to Sapporo, I'm like, obviously Tokyo and Kyoto. And then I discovered some museum islands. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. So I pack my stuff, go there. And I was very lucky. Japan is a very safe country to go. It still felt for like, I went to little towns where there were no white people, no tourists. 
And I think I never went there with the intention of really do the Reiki path, the tourist path. And when I'm going to say, some people are going to be horrified. I did look for Mikao Sui Memorial Stone and I was a little bit moved. I tried to meditate there. It's really uncomfortable because like cemeteries, they're different. They're a little more crowded and like they're very different kinds. And there is like a different way. They clean the tombs more than put flowers. It's a complete, I think they clean everything, right? And the monks were like, what is she doing? Oh, another one tourist looking for the freaking Memorial Stone, right? So what happened to me though, is when I went to Japan, Japan became my Reiki path. So I didn't do a lot of the touristic things. What happened when I went to Japan, I went to, there is a beautiful immersive art exhibition, right? And then it's like nature and man are one, interconnection, key. And what happened is everywhere I went, there was a conscience of interconnection in the art. Key was an everyday thing. Like we put energy as a very magical out of the world given by other beings or a source. In Japan, we all share that energy as part of everyday life. So I think what Japan gave me was this thing that key is not magic, key is who we are in a very human way. And then when I went to the monastery, again, you know, I took my two trains, nobody, there was no even like characters. I, I still don't know how I got into those trains. Like people were laughing because I was like with my suitcase, like there were no signs. They were all Japanese in, in the drawing. I just jumped into a train. It's like, yes, you And they're like, hi, hi. And that's how I got there, right? It was a little bit insane. And people, I would walk around the rice fields and people would almost crash. It's like, what is this woman doing here, right? So when I went to the monastery, the Zen, it was very beautiful. We'll meditate five hours a day. But the night was beautiful. It was one hour and a half with candles and incense. And the monk, when there was another male, he will stay over. When there were one or two females, another time it was just myself, he will not stay out of respectfulness, right? Mm-hmm. He will light the candles and will be meditating for an hour and a half, two hours, but sometimes he will say one message from the Buddha. And like he will say like when the Buddha, and he will read a passage, but like the Buddha about you don't practice for yourself, you practice for others, right? Mm-hmm. And then we will meditate from five to six in the afternoon in the mountain looking at the sacred mountain that was in front of us. And I also like was very lucky at the time. So the snow from the mountains were melting and the water was going to the rice fields, right? So yes, I didn't go to Makurama. I didn't do a lot of Reiki thing. But when I was in that mountain, in the earth, and I started doing meditation and hearing, I could feel the sun melting the snow, having the water falling down and feeding the rice fields, right? The Reiki kanji came to life, right? That shaman praying for rain, the the rain falling into creating the rice and the steam and the steam going up. And that for me changed my practice, right? I I still don't understand Reiki, so please take it with a grain of salt, but something clicked. And whenever I lose myself in life and I lose connection with my practice, I go back feeling I'm in the mountain. The sun is melting, it's feeding the right field, and then the right field is feeding everything else. So I go back, and that for me, I think Japan in itself was really what changed me. It was the experience, and also, for example, the subway, right? Yeah. Here, if someone is old and we're, they're blocking the entrance, we are upset. We push that person, we go over. People will be aware of the other people. And if someone was old, they will not get upset. It's an old people a person and will follow and will patiently would and when they move they move aware of other people mm-hmm. and that awareness of interconnection right 
of the community, but also being accountable to your movement, but also doing what you need to do, that discipline and then that mountain moment. Yes. That, that really changed my practice. And that's something also, again, my teacher, Francine, he said, Ricky's direct experience. Yes. And I think I'm like, well, then if I want to talk about more Japanese Reiki, I need to have the direct experience. And that direct experience in the mountain was worth the whole trip. Beyond that the is the most beautiful um, expression of the Reiki kanji. So mm. I know that some people listening may not know um, the, the breakdown of the symbolism within that kanji. But for those who do, that is so beautiful. Just that description of the sun melting the snow on the mountain and that being the spiritual rain coming down to the rice. Oh my gosh. That was the most beautiful description. Oh, I hope you paint that because <laughs> another part for people listening, you may not know um, she is an artist as well. And yeah, just that is such a beautiful description. Okay. I, I'll get stuck on that for days, but it's interesting to hear that really what brought you there was this desire to meditate somewhere. You wanted to go somewhere to be with yourself. And it only made sense of like, oh, well, why not go to Japan? And this is where I'm going to go meditate and be with myself. Another clarity was like, so for example, I respect a lot of my mentors and they have the style. There was also clarity like, I probably will never do a training in esoteric Buddhism. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to go under waterfall. I like simplicity. I like sitting in a mountain and listening to the snow. So right. it gives you clarity because I think you can practice Reiki in many ways, right? Yeah. I think we all have it. And you mentioned it. Sometimes we'll include the chakra. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll include a more elaborate ritual. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll include other elements, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, what matters is like you respect whatever you do. You kind of know what you're doing and where you're mixing it. And you practice and discipline. In okay. my case, I had to accept like, well, I actually like a very simple practice and this is who I am, right? So it also gave me that clarity. So yes, it's, I, I think it was very interesting to also know like I actually, I don't have the training to be a Miko right now and I probably don't. It also made me realize like it was hard to be those three weeks without like anything, five hours meditating. It's, it's hard. It's not as easy as it seemed by the third week, like. And also then the monks are bringing alcohol and I don't bring almost alcohol, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They bring, they also, their spiritual life is very joyful and it's part of life. For yeah. him, cleaning the bathroom was practice, you know? You, you know, you remind me of too, and I know we have to wrap this up because yeah. I could talk to you all day, but I just, I'm so thankful for the yeah. conversation. Um, you remind me of uh, how uh, the part of Gyo and like being yeah. true to your way, right? And so it seems like a lot of this too really highlights for us, like even within our practice and even you being true to your way of what you were interested in, right? So even though you were going to Japan, inspired to go there for meditation, you still also reached out to Franz because he had gone there, but his way and what his interest was, was different than yours. You stayed very true to your way and explored what it was that you wanted to experience in Japan and still even though you two may have had two very different paths of experience in Japan, what was revealed to you through whatever your practices and adventures were, were very um, enlightening for you and your being. I'm so I, I feel like there's a good message there for all of us. I just can't quite excavate it, but hopefully light bulbs are going off for people. <laughs> but I think it's interesting what you say, right? Like, and again, 
it's not about disrespect because I I barely like admire more people. Like, you know, I don't admire, I like people in general, but I really admire him and and all of that. But I am I am a little bit more streetwise. I always said that. Like I'm not that disciplined. I'm a little bit more like bohemian. But I, I think for me, like the lesson is everything is a Ricky lesson, right? Yes. Yes. Everything. So not only at the beginning, I wanted to apply Reiki to life, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to use my Reiki precepts to be more voice and centered. What I did understand is life itself. So going back to that image of the kanji, right? Of the shaman praying for rain, the rain feeding the rice, and then the steam going up and feeding the rain. Mm-hmm. So it's the same relationship. It's not Reiki helps me be better in life. It's that life is the soul, right? So Reiki falls helps you grow as an individual. But then those challenges that you face through Reiki are the ones that feed your Reiki practice, right? right. So for me now it's different. It's like Reiki and life are one. Yes. So there is no difference between Reiki practice and life practice. And I think before going to Japan, I had done the step from Reiki into my little massage table and Reiki space to Reiki applied to life and sent to Japan life is Reiki. And I think that's where France is. And that could be true from going to the beach, right? And right. meditating with the water. And that could be from going to a park and, and actually practice attunement with trees, right? So whatever takes you there, but I think it's knowing that no matter how far you've come to Reiki, there is more, right? There is yeah. always more, right? I got a letter from someone and she said, I want to talk about Reiki. I'm like, I've been practicing for a year. I'm like, listen, for now, I'm talking to people who have a little bit more practice. Later on, I want to open the stream. She's like, you don't understand. I know it all about Reiki. Like, I have fresh eyes. I will give you a perspective. And, like, and that's part of the process. But always know, don't, don't take a training and say, I know it all. I think my right. message is, there is always more to know. Like, until yes. the day you die, and probably when you're dying, that will be your biggest learning experience. Like, oh, my God, I'm living. You know, can I hold space for that? And yes. that's my Scorpio side, sorry. But, <laughs> but, but I think my message is that you don't need to travel to Japan. And as you said, curiosity, just know there is always more, no matter how far you've gone. And I think that's what martial arts taught me. That's why the trip to Japan taught me. And that's why all the people I respect the most who practice Reiki are teaching me every day and reminding me every day. Yeah. And I have to say, like right now for both of us, because we both mentioned him several times, I have to say... Um, I'm very thankful for our teacher, uh, Franz, and what it is that he explored and went to research and continues to, but also bringing that back to share with us and with his students um, so that we also have uh, more clarity around the aspects of Reiki that do bring us into that curiosity for going deeper for ourselves. And even that with you, Natalie, again, like so glad that our paths crossed. I, I kind of know in my mind how, but I don't know. It doesn't even matter. But I'm so glad that you and I have um, been able to develop this friendship and have the conversations we have, because that also, again, I, I think that's one of the beautiful things I love about this community is how much our individual practices through our exchange in these conversations helps us each to go deeper yeah. into this understanding of uh, this beautiful system that we call Reiki. Yeah. I'm so grateful I met you too, because you have brought so many valuable insights uh, to my life as well, right? And I, I think it's that is the non-judgment. You are able to hold the space for whatever we say with no judgment. 
but you also have clear guidance, right? You can guide when things go out of control. And that's something I really admire. And I, I think we met because I love your podcast so much. I actually reached out to send you my book. I'm like, oh my God, I love this podcast so much, Ricky Radio. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> because you, for me, you were a sane voice. I was looking for like, an, again, diversity of voice. I'm like, yeah. she makes sense to me. Like there is depth there. So I, that's another tip probably. When you hear someone and they make sense to you, find out more, right? Maybe you yes. can train, you can mentor. Nowadays, there are a bunch of like online Ricky circles. I reach out to the community. And again, as you saw in Japan or my dojo, that community working together, right? Yes. And that's the thing, the working together, which is why I know we both have been so inspired to share and, you know, hold spaces. And I want to bring that up as well, because you do have um, your books. You also have a podcast, Dive Into Reiki, and you also have a patron. We both have our online communities that we've created through patrons. So I want to make sure that people know how to connect with you, how to work with you, check out your podcast, um, all of the beautiful offerings you have. So could you, I, I'm looking at my bookcase because I'm like, God, I should have grabbed your book so I could actually show yeah, it. Like, could you say the name of your book, which I will put down in the show description? Of course. So the book is a very tiny illustrated book that has like the basic meditations. And again, it has a lot of explanation from the Japanese influence. It's called Reiki as a spiritual practice and illustrated guide. And it's on Amazon. It's actually available in five languages right now. So if you speak German, Portuguese, Spanish, or French, it is uh, in your language as well. And then all the rest is just dive into Reiki, either on YouTube or like the podcast apps or Instagram. I'm mostly active on Instagram and then on the Patreon. And again, it's probably an approach about practice and discipline about like, we take some core Reiki things and then we unravel layers. And I teach people how to, again, I was taught at the dojo how to take a practice and see it from different angle and deconstruct yeah. and reconstruct to get inside. So we do a lot of the way they teach martial arts, but with Reiki techniques. And it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, we're so similar. It's so funny. That's what I love too. I love to deconstruct and then look at something from a lot of different ways and see how it points right back to our practice. So again, I'm so thankful that you took the time today, Natalie, to have this conversation. I'm sure it will inspire many, many people. And for everyone listening, you can check out Natalie and her work. Just go to dive into Reiki. Make sure to go to the dive into Reiki podcast on all of the podcast platforms, all the links to her book, Instagram, everything will <laughs> be down in the show description. Because it was a great interview and I still love that interview. So put, you should put that link as well. Yeah, well, I'll put the link to the interview. Yes. All your wisdom because that was just a very, very, I don't know. It felt like a great interview for everybody practicing there and especially being a little bit lost. I think it was beautiful. Oh, thank you, my love. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how things continue to evolve for us. And I'm sure we'll circle back around and have more conversations in the future. Definitely Absolutely. in person too. Yeah, my twin. You're my twin from the West Coast. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, it's so good to see you, my love. And for everyone else, thank you for joining us. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Okay, beautiful alchemist. I want to thank you so much again for being back with me for season nine of Reiki Radio. There's so much that we are going to explore together this season, so much to share to support you in your practice. I want to give a very special thank you to Natalie, who I always enjoy talking to. 
Thank you for sharing your experiences going to Japan. Thank you for sharing with us about the martial arts and how that has also contributed to your practice. All very fascinating. Again, you can learn more about Natalie in her work by going to diveintoreiki.com. Check out her podcast while you're there. And don't forget about the Energetic Alchemist Oracle deck. It is a limited edition deck, and there's so much more I'm going to share about it. But pre-order now so that your copy is available for you. I look forward to seeing you all again next week. And remember to always journey in love.